All right, welcome to church tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say welcome. All right. Hey, it's so glad to have each and every one of you here tonight. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you as well. But uh, I love that video. Why do I love that video? Because it just really talks about welcoming people into the house of God. How many love it when you are go over to somebody's house and you feel welcomed? Yeah, you feel that. You know that. So tonight we're going to kind of dive into the subject of, about welcome and what it means. And um, so I want to take you, if you've got your Bibles, hopefully you do, let's turn to Genesis chapter 18 tonight. Genesis chapter 18. And as you turn there... Um, we want to welcome everybody again to church tonight. It's so good to have you. I'm looking forward. How many are looking forward to this Sunday and our missions conference? I mean, it's just an awesome time, and um, it's a blessing every year. So uh, thanks for being a part of that and for giving. I'm excited about it, and I know that you are too. So well, let's read. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 18. It says this, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. While he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree." Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham, it says he hurried again into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and set these before them while they ate. He stood near them under a tree. Lord, we are so grateful for your goodness tonight, and we're so grateful that we get to open your word and dive in and see what you're going to speak to us. We just pray that this word, we know this, that it does not return void, and it's going to help us tonight. So I pray that as we listen God, that you would challenge us, that you would speak inside of us, and that you would help us understand clearly what you're speaking to us tonight. And everybody said, amen. Well, listen, I love this story because it's really a story about hospitality, God's abundant blessing, his divine purpose. There's so many things that we can look at in this story, but I'm going to concentrate on just a few things, maybe something different than you've actually heard from this story. But I want to kind of illustrate this story by telling you a story about a friend that I went to high school with, grew up in elementary with. His name was Ryan, and he was the type of guy that, I don't know if you remember this, but you remember back when they had three-wheelers, like motorized three-wheelers. They outlawed them by now, but he and I had a three-wheeler, so we were always going on three-wheeler adventures, and we were also going on fishing adventures. So anytime we had this opportunity to go out and have an adventure, we would do that. Well, as we grew older and older and older, um, we knew this, that we were both going away to college, going our different ways, and Ryan chose the University of Arkansas, like the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, how many of you know that they are in the SEC, um, and they are not doing very well this year, all right? I have heard, I saw this on Facebook, I've heard that you can actually get two tickets for $75 and call two plays for the football team if you want. I don't know if that's true or not, but it may be. 
But anyway, so Ryan's going to the University of Arkansas, and we live in a little small town called Berryville. He's about an hour and 15 minutes away, and he's kind of a, um, um, he goes over to his older sister's house some. She's married. She has kids, and, and um, he would go over, obviously, to his own home, but they lived real close. His sister and his, his dad lived real close to, uh, in proximity. And so, you know, if you're a college student, you're not always wanting to come home right? I mean, when you get really hungry, yeah, you want to come home, but you want to kind of have, you know, have an adventure, um, spread your wings and fly, whatever you want to do. And so he was having a great time, and it had been a while since he had been back, but he says, you know what? I'm going to go to my sister's house, because sister is probably going to help me with some laundry. How do you mean you know what I'm talking about? Yes, help me with some laundry. So goes to his sister's house. So Ryan shows up at his sister's house, and there's all these cars, and he pulls in, and he says, hey, my sister Barbara, she must be having kind of a, a I'm going to say party, but you know, friends over, fellowship time, hanging out. And so he grabs his laundry bag out of his car. He walks into the front door, opens it up. He walks in, and there's all these people there. He, he, he doesn't really recognize them. There's some kids, some adults. And um, he throws his laundry bag on the floor. He kind of goes into the kitchen, goes into the kitchen. He's hanging out there for a little bit. And um, he gets something to drink, gets a Coke, grabs a Coke out of the fridge. And he's just kind of standing there with all these people uh, in the kitchen, just looking at him. And they're kind of looking at him a little bit um, like, who are you? And so he, he says, you can feel it get just a little odd, but they're very kind of welcoming. But he says, he, and he finally says this. Hey, you know where Barb's at? And this person spoke up and said this. Well, yeah, um, actually, we bought the house from her six weeks ago. <laughs> oh, okay. I, and then he said, he immediately, and if you knew him, you would do this. I'm so sorry. I just barged in here like my sister lived here. And they said, hey, we're okay. We, we kind of knew who you were and thought that might be what had happened. And so he grabbed his laundry bag and he, he headed home. Whew, thank God, right? But he did feel welcome. But have you ever been to a place where you don't feel welcome? But, I mean, here's the key thing. Make sure you get the right house when you go somewhere. Everybody with me? Don't get the wrong house because that could be a little dangerous in this day and age. But always make sure you get the right house. But there's this idea and sense of feeling welcome. Here's what I want to tell you about Genesis chapter 18. It's an amazing thing that the fundamental purpose of being welcoming someone or showing hospitality to somebody is to change strangers into guests. Think about that for a moment. That is the key purpose. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're hoping for. You see, hospitality was such a necessity for nomadic peoples because of their... There's no hotels in the ancient times. Did you know that? There's no Motel 6, Motel 8, or one of my favorites years ago, Howard Johnson's with the little golf course out back. There was none of that. Now, we know that, but you just have to kind of say it again. In those days, that, in that day and age, listen, if you wandered around, it could be dangerous wherever you went, wherever you would go. So you didn't want to travel around alone, just on your own. You wanted to make sure that there was a place that you could go. You never wanted to kind of expose yourself because you could get robbed. You just never knew. Did you know that even Abraham, I mean, he was nomadic. He slept in a tent. If, if you don't know what that is like, I want to encourage you, right after service tonight, go on down to Dick's Sporting Goods. 
go buy you a tent, and for the next six weeks right before Christmas, just kind of sleep in your tent. See how it goes. Cook your meals. Do your laundry. See what it's like. You will understand this is a different lifestyle. Anybody with me? And how many right now are saying, thank God for electricity, running water, and hot water, uh, washing machine? We could all say amen to that, right? Amen. Now, there's two types of travelers who would not be welcomed as guests. Let me share those with you. Number one would be a trader. If you were a trader, some business person, maybe going around, you were very nomadic, you really wouldn't be accepted in this day and age. If you were a marauder, someone who were really traveling from, from place to place, taking advantage of people, trying to destroy people, you would try to um, plunder what good people had, you were not welcomed in that area. Now here's another thing that would happen if you were just kind of a stranger and, and some of when we say stranger in this day and age, back then it meant a little bit different. Um, it, it means something different today, but if you were a traveler, kind of traveling through the area possibly, going from one place to the next, that could happen. But sometimes a stranger would be someone who may be moving into the area, but they were going to be there on a permanent basis, would take up residency, but they didn't really have a place yet. That was kind of what you would do, you would reach out. And so here Abraham, he finds these three men standing, facing him. And did you know that in the ancient days, travelers would sometimes go to these designated fixed places and if you wanted to stay with somebody, you would go to this place and kind of wait for an invitation to be invited to somebody's place. Now, I don't know about you, but I would begin to think through this and I would begin to take out my binoculars and begin to look from tent to tent to see, man, is anybody have any biscuits and gravy? Because I love biscuits and gravy. Does anybody have any great steak tonight that you're going to be able to serve? Anybody with me? How many would do that? I mean, you'd, if you want to go, I, don't, I, I want some good stuff, not, not four-day-old mac and cheese. That's not even real food. <laughs> but you wanted something good. And so here are these strangers, and they're waiting for an invitation. And all of a sudden, you see Abraham. He sees them. He spots them. And he, it says this is that he hurries to them. He runs to them. Now, that's an amazing thing when you're running to, the, to them and you're inviting them over to your place and saying, hey, I'd love to have you. And here's the key thing. Abraham initiated the first step. Now, you probably know where I'm going because whatever this story is talking about, we're going to kind of modernize this and say, hey, what about you? Are you being welcoming to people? When people walk through the church, do you welcome them with open arms? If they walk into your house, do you welcome them with open arms? And so we've got to be careful of how we welcome people, but be sure that we do welcome people. But Abraham, it says he initiated the first step. And here's what happens a lot of time. We think this, oh, someone will probably step out and help that person. Someone will probably take the first step. I don't have to. And then we begin to rely on someone when the someone the whole time is you. You are the someone. I'm the someone. And if you're going to be the someone that God has chosen to be a vessel that he works through, be a great vessel that he can work through, amen? You are that someone. And so the host, here's what begins to happen. The host extends a modest offer of hospitality. I love that. Abraham offers a little water and a little bread so that the guests will not feel like they're imposing on the host. Now here's the key thing. Once the guest accepts the invitation, 
of the host, they both kick into and follow these hospitality's rules of the ancient day. And I want to share a few of those norms or rules that were followed in this day and age. To me, it's kind of fascinating because we kind of follow this in a way because if someone comes over to your house and they knock on your door because you have invited, hey, come on over to the house, you invite them in, they come over to your house, you open the door, and um, if, if they come in, they, I, I have a friend, his name, I won't say his name, but his name is Travis, he always takes off his shoes at my front door. Never ask him to, but he always does. He's just that kind of nice guy. And, and you come in, now if you lived in the north, here's what you would do during the winter. If somebody walked into your house, what would you do? You would take their coat and you would go to this bedroom and there would be what? A pile of coats. Now, if you're like me, when I was younger, I would see a bunch of shoes or coats or something laying out there, and it was fun for me to take the shoes and just kind of, you know, move them around a little bit, just have a little, so when people are coming to find their shoes, the, but you know what I'm saying, so it's this norm, you invite someone into your house, hey, uh, what can I get you to drink, can I, um, is there anything I can get you, here's a seat, let's go over here, you know, there's some norms that you do, wouldn't it be odd if you showed up to somebody's house and they just said, Come on in. Now, now, friends, you can do that, but if you have a special guest, and you just say, hey, come on in. And you don't really greet them. You don't really say anything to them. They're just kind of walking in. It's a little different, isn't it? It is a little different. So here's what you begin to do. Hospitality, here's four things that you can think about. Hospitality is limited to this fixed period of time in the ancient age. It's the first B&B, &B, air bed and bed, bed and breakfast that you could see happening in the Bible right here. Abraham's offer of hospitality does not include overnight accommodations. The typical thing when some, some of these um, strangers and travelers would come over for just a little bit, but it would kind of take some time. They would just kind of uh, get rested for a little bit and be on their way, but they could come to an agreement and say, hey, no more than three days, you can stay, and if the guest stayed longer, I mean, this could become a little burden to the host. And if the host was there and kept the guest a little longer, it could become a little hostile. Think about that one. So here's what I'm doing for you tonight. I'm giving you permission this Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you have family coming in and you don't really like them a lot, just, just impose this. Just say, hey, we're kind of going back to Genesis chapter 18. Um, you can only be here for three days and that's it. We'd really prefer just a day. Don't do that. that. That's not being very welcome, right? But it was for a fixed period of time back in this day and age. The second thing is this. Hospitality normally includes water, washing of feet, food and drink, rest, and care for any animals. And back in this day, actually the people that were your guests would wash their own feet. If they had a pet chicken, their pet hedgehog, I don't know what they're bringing, you would take care of that, their donkey, whatever that was, you would help provide food for that. But you were out preparing, doing what you could because you would help and want to take care of what they were doing. And then it says this, hospitality is given freely. Guests are treated with the utmost respect. There's this kind of numinous reciprocity. It's for, for example, let me just say it this way. 
Custom requires that you report any news and express any gratitude that you had that in, in the form of a blessing that if you're a guest that you would kind of bring a blessing to the host, that you would want to bless them with your words and you would want to encourage them with your words. That was kind of custom. And don't you know as you read the story on that these particular hosts, which we know maybe um, uh, Abraham didn't know this at the beginning, but they talked about being three angels, maybe even the Jehovah and, and two celestial beings. But they brought a blessing. You know what that blessing was? That Sarah, you're going to have a baby about this time next year. And Sarah's in the back of the tent, and she begins to what? Laugh. There's no way. Do you know how old I am? But we know what happens with that story. And so unexpectedly, the strangers become this harbinger of divine abundance to this family. And the hospitality also, number four, includes this guarantee of protection for the guest. Now, here's some, here's, this is going to help you understand some things because what happened is the guest was the highest priority. The host would make sure that they took care of him. And if you go to Genesis chapter 19, just one chapter over, there's something that happens that, in my mind, I'm like, I don't understand why that just happened. But you'll see this. Lot brings visitors into his home, and the men of Sodom surround the house and demand that he turn over his guests. But as a host, Lot is obligated to protect his guests. And what does he do? He offers his daughters to those people. And you think, why in the world would you do that? But obviously, it was because of the protection of the guest. Now, how many would say this? Yes, thank God there's been some reformation in what we can actually do and what we are supposed to actually be to guests, that you would never give up your daughters in something like that. But let me say it again. The fundamental purpose of hospitality is to turn strangers into guests. And we know that they were turned into guests because in verse 14, you'll begin to see this, is that you, they even say these guests, hey, we'll see you about this time next year. They were actually going to make their way back into the same region and hang out and say, hey, here it is. Did you know that throughout history, Genesis chapter 18 has been kind of the um, dynamic story, the one that has been presented the most out of the scriptures of what it means to be hospitable and welcome somebody into a home. Genesis chapter 18. Now I want us to take just a moment and I want us to kind of flip this a little bit and begin to look at it from a different point of view. I don't know about you, but when you're opening your Bible and you're working through a Bible study, have, have, have you, anybody have heard of the SOAP way of doing things? It's this, this very simple acronym called SOAP. In other words, you get out a scripture like Genesis 18 and you read the scripture. And how many knows this, that scripture's powerful? Cuts like a double-edged sword. It's for us today. It does not return void. It's for you. And when you read the scripture, there's great things that happen. And then all of a sudden, you do this. You owe observation. You observe what's going on in the scripture. And a lot of times, you want to get the context of the book, see what's happening before that actual chapter, maybe after that chapter, and get an idea. But there's some observation that's taking place. And then there's some application. You want to begin to apply the scripture to your life. Lord, what can I learn from this? How can I, how can I do this? How can I be this? And then there's the last thing to pee. It's the prayer. And then you begin to pray 
the scripture, you begin to pray about the observations that you've made, and then you begin to pray about the application. Lord, show me where I can apply this. And that's what happens. But when you go back and you begin to look at the story and you begin to say, hey, God, what are you doing with me? Lord, what can I learn from Abraham? There's something that Abraham does. There's some things that he um, is active in that I think that we could pick up and learn just a few things. And look at what he does. The first thing that he does is that he goes and he asks, he runs, and he tells his, um, his wife, Sarah, hey, get three seas of flour. Did you know that would be about 50 pounds of flour? Now, the interesting thing to me is that Abraham doesn't take this on his own, but what does he do? He runs to a woman because a woman can get it done. Oh, that was weak, ladies. He runs to a woman because why? A woman can get it done. Amen. There you are. I hear you now. That's what makes sure you're with me. Wake up now. And so he gets three seeds of, 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 of flour He's not baking a little bit of bread. I mean, this is a feast. And then he says, hey, go get the calf. So he runs out and gets a calf. This is the first time that veal is served. That is not true. I'll just take that back, okay? But you get up my point. I mean, he gets this great big calf. He's preparing it, and then he's getting some milk, curds, butter, whatever you want to say. Some people say it was curdled milk. But here's what I want to get across, that with this hosting, there is a sense of urgency taking place. Now, when you observe also, you have to understand what happens the chapter before is that Abraham is circumcised. So here's what we know. He runs from the, 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 from the entrance of the tent. He runs to Sarah. You can tell that there's some running going on. So I'm thinking this shamefully. He ran because men don't run in that time. Painfully, possibly, he runs because he is serving and helping and bringing hospitable a guidance and help to these people that are right there at his tent. That's what he's doing. Now, I want to teach you, and I want to show you this term because this is an awesome thing, and you have to understand the ancient time and what is going on. But everybody say, go L. Goel, G-O apostrophe E-L, and it literally means to bring back into the household. It means to redeem. I mean, if you look through your Bible, you're going to see these incredible verses in, in Psalm 103. It says, I'm going to redeem you from the pit that you were in. I'm going to redeem you from the trouble that you were in. I'm going to redeem you from your enemies. I don't know about you, but I am very thankful that there was a time that there was a place in my life that God redeemed me and pulled me out of a pit that I didn't want to be in and I didn't have to live that life, but he pulled me out of a pit so I could have life. Amen? Because he pulled me out of a pit. He redeemed me from the trouble that possibly I could have been in, but I'm not in because he loved me so much. He said, listen, I love you, I want you, and he redeemed me from the trouble that I was about to be in. And how many know this and love this? He redeems us all the time from our enemies. That's the kind of God. He, why is he doing that? He is bringing back into the household that which you are to belong into the household. Why? Because he loves you with an everlasting love. That is why. And so he's continually, what? Redeeming, helping, loving, caring. And that's what he does. So when you read that, there's some, there's some ideas here that this, this is a patriarchal society. It is that way, and there's a responsibility 
on the patriarch to the family. Abraham had a responsibility to his whole family. In other words, not just his immediate, hey, his kids and his wife, but I'm talking nephews, nieces, everybody that lived in his household, he would do this. He would feed them. He would clothe them. If they were captured, he would go after them. If they were injured, he would say, hey, I know you can't work. You're in the household. Come, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about a thing because I am going to take care of you. That's what a great man would do is that he would take care of his family. He was the patriarch. He wanted to continually bring back into the family. Why? He wanted to redeem. Now, you'll see several examples in Scripture of this. Here's some of the Scriptures that you'll see. Do you remember when um, Lot is captured? And if you read that story, it's an amazing story. Four kings are fighting five kings. They're in the, uh, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and throughout that fight, Lot is taken. And once Lot is taken, Abraham finds out. And guess what? He goes after him. Why does he go after him? Because he is the patriarch of the family. That's his duty. That is his job. And so he goes after them. You remember Hosea the prophet and Hosea. What happens there? He goes to a brothel. He marries a prostitute. And then she decides, hey, I don't want to be here. And so goes back. And what does he do? Hosea goes back and he buys her back. And we get thinking, man, I can't even believe he marries them. But you know, it's also a picture of Israel wandering away and how much love God has for Israel and really a picture of how much God loves us. And so he wants to buy us back because he loves us so much. So there is this all idea that we are bringing back into the household. It means to redeem. And so he is redeeming those things. If you go to Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, we sang this song tonight. Here's what it says. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. I never understood the story until I realized, because I'm thinking this way, and you may think this way as well. Man, you've got 99. Ah, there's one. But that's not the way that God thinks towards us. Because when we wander away, if your kids have wandered away, if you have a grandchild that's wandered away, he loves them so much that he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And here's the idea. You were the one at some time. I was the one at some time that he loves so much and he came after me. Can you say amen on that one? Because he loves us, he cares for us. He goes after the one. And so understanding that this is a patriarchal society and that he's going to leave the one. Why? Because you want to bring back into the household. You want to do what you can. Now as you read this story, you begin to understand and you begin to look into Genesis and you say, and as you read the scripture, it talks about the Lord appeared to him. And depending on what translation you have, some scholars will begin to say, hey, this is Jehovah. And with two angels, and all of a sudden, whether it's recognized at the beginning or told later in the story that this is how it's happened, you got to be thinking that something happens. Listen, when you skip all the way to Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, listen to what it says. Listen to how Jesus describes a parable. And I'm wondering if this is being brought out in Genesis chapter 18. The kingdom of heaven is like 
yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You see how it all works together? You see that the Bible becomes living and active, alive for us today? And that we learn what it means to be hospitable. We help people understand that when they walk through the doors of this church, that they come in, that, and here's what we got to be understand is this, is that we just don't want to be a friendly church, but we want to be a church where people can make friends. You see the difference. We can be a friendly church, but we want to make it where people can make friends as well. And so we say, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. That's why we have greeters and ushers, and they do such a great job. As people open the door on Sunday morning, that's why there's a hospitality suite as people go into it on Sunday morning after they've been here, and they get this gift, and they get um, some goodies, and, and they get to speak to some of the pastors that are here, that we want to be hospitable. We want them to walk away thinking, man, I've never in my life had someone be so nice to me at church. I've had those words spoken from people who have visited and said, man, this is the nicest someone has really been to me in years. And guess what? We all have that impact. We all hold the key to making people feel welcome and being hospitable. But here's where the application comes. Now here's where we're going to get, here's what we're going to do. We have the scripture, we were making some observations, and we're going to apply some things. And here's where we're going to apply. Two quick things, real quick. Number one is, make available to Jesus your home and the resources inside your home. Let me say that one more time. I'm just looking for a few amens on this. That's just it. Make available to Jesus your home and the resources inside your home. Abraham did. Amen? He did. He used what was in his tent and around that tent. Obviously, not all those animals were in that tent, but you get the, you get the picture. Whatever was in his household, he used for that kingdom purpose and the hospitality. If you own your tent, use what's in your tent, whatever in your home. It doesn't matter. You may have to open your home, and you may have to invite a guest in. You may have to open your home and say, listen, I want to have a small group in my home, and many of you do that. I was just at a small group last week. Um, it was Marsha Pumphreys, and I think she's here tonight. Man, what a great time that we had. Walking into the home, man, there was laughter. We opened the Word of God. We studied, and I'm telling you, we ate shepherd's pie, I, about five pounds worth, I think, I mean, it was good, but it was, you felt, it was so hospitable. They made you feel so welcome inside of that group. And I'm telling you, maybe God's calling you to open your home. Just to make people feel welcome. Serve a meal, go through some notes, study, whatever it may be, that maybe you're ready to take that next step and just open your home. Open your home and see what God will do. You may have to open your freezer and serve a burger. You may have to open your freezer and serve a Hot dog. I don't really like frozen hot dogs, but you know what I'm saying. Open your home. Open your freezer. Steak will do. If you want to have a steak, let me know. I'll be over. I'll help you in the process. I'll be the guinea pig if you want to serve steak. Pastor Jeff and I will volunteer. We will be available to you. You may have to pull out the 2% milk, and give someone a big glass of chocolate milk and sit down and just see what's going on inside of their life. And if you invite me over, make sure it's lactate-free. 
You may have to go to your garage. You may have to walk through your garage and say, have a really nice lawnmower. You may have to share your lawnmower. You may have to share the tools that are inside your house. You may have to share your truck, your car. You may have to share whatever is inside your house, whatever you can do. You may even have to wash someone's feet. Maybe it's not your favorite thing, but maybe a little easier, wash their car. But whatever you do, see what God can do and use the resources that God has blessed you with. That's really what I'm asking. And you know what? He owns it all anyway. He owns it all anyway. I've always thought of it like this. You know what? You may say this. You know what? That, that's hard for me to even think about. I don't even know if I can do that. Here's, here's what I tell people. You know what? When you are full of Jesus, when you are full of His Spirit... It's so much easier to give. But when you are full of yourself, it is a lot harder to give the things that aren't yours anyways. You've got to be able to give. Number two is this. The purpose of hospitality is to prepare a welcoming space for encounters with Jesus and His Word. Think about what happened to Abraham. Think about the things that happened inside that home. You can look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and you can see incredible things that happened in homes where you begin to open the Word and make a space for God to work. He begins to work mightily. I remember one time, and some of you small group um, leaders have heard this before, but I remember many years ago having one of, one of my first small groups, adult small groups, inviting people into my home, and, and we loved it. We loved to see people come in, and, and they would, um, we'd have you know, some snacks ready, and uh, we, we would have our study ready. We knew what we were going to be doing, and it was the very first night. And I remember them walking in at some people that we knew fairly well, and there were some people we didn't know hardly at all. And so, and then there's people we just didn't, man, this is the first time we're really getting to know them. And so the first night you have an icebreaker. Hey, what's God doing in your life? Tell us a few things about yourself. And I remember just kind of starting. And it was one of the first guys I started. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. And so far, fun, some fun facts or whatever. And so he begins to share. And then he begins to share. It turns real quick. He begins to share that he and his wife or his girlfriend, talking about them in not such a good light, and she's right there. And so finally I have to say, um, you know, I had to steer it a little bit different and say, hey, you know what, we're going to pray about that. Then all of a sudden people within the group began to talk and share and speak life into him, and all of a sudden they begin to cry. This is the first night. They begin to cry. And all of a sudden, I just begin to open the word and say, you know what, I know that you're living together, but let me, let me just share some scripture. You know, God loves you and cares for you and has a plan for your life. And I think that when you live your life according to God's word, he will bless that and you will find, he will, you will find favor with him. And, and you can live a life, a blessed life, but you need to align your life with God's word. And he shook his head. And in two weeks' time, we celebrated their marriage in that small group because they realized the power of God's Word. And you know what? It was awesome just to see if you will allow a space for God to work in your home, your life, God will do unbelievable things in your home that may not even be your home. It's the Bank of America. And you can call Bank of America and say, listen, I want to tell you what God did in your home tonight. Just saying. 
God works in mysterious ways. He works in awesome ways, and he could work there. If you go to the Old Testament, you go to 1 Kings chapter 17, 8 through 24, there's an amazing story about the widow of Zarephath. And you remember that Elijah, he's wandering, and he's trying to find a place. There's, there's been a drought in the land. There's no place to go. He's, he's being fed by ravens, it's the Scripture says. He's being fed by a bird. And he's, he's watering at a brook, and then the Lord says, you need to go to this widow's house, Zarephath, and there you're gonna, she's going to help you. And she goes to, he goes to the house, and she says, listen, I don't have much. I, I, the, all that I have is a little flour and oil. I'm going to go make some food, and then my son and I are going to die because we're at the end. And Elijah says, if you will make me something first, if you will give me something for if you make bread, bake me a cake, I don't know, chocolate, whatever, just make me something. And so he, th- this lady makes him something. And that the promise was, if you will make me something, you will never lack for anything. And that was the idea. And did you know that from that day on, miraculously, her son and she was sustained because their oil jar and their flour jar never ran out. And all you have to do is just obey what God is saying. Open your home and be obedient to what God is saying. And that doesn't even make sense. You mean I have to give my oil, my flour, whatever it is, that if God is asking for it, and then it even gets better. Her son is ill, and he has died. And Elijah says, where is he at? He goes up, and you remember that he lays upon him. And what happens? He is raised And there's life that is breathed back into him. So my question to you tonight is this. How much flour, how much steak, how much milk will you prepare for the next hurting, broken, helpless, maybe even normal person in your life? Open your tent flap. Open the door to your home and say, welcome home. And welcome people into your home. Welcome people into your life. Welcome people into church. Welcome people into your Sunday school class. Welcome people wherever you go and see what God will do. Amen? And you know what? Right now, we are in the house of God waiting to see, even at the end of this service, what God will do. Amen? As you musicians come back, we're going to have a word of prayer, a time of prayer. We're going to pray for needs. Now, here's what I know. I know this, that if you're here tonight... I would say a large part of this altar call is, can be solidified and you can galvanize your faith and your heart and say, this is what I'm going to do. But you're going to live out this sermon outside of this church. It's going to be in your home. You're going to go home. You may talk to your wife. You may talk to your husband. You may talk to whoever it may be. And you say, you know what? You're going to look around your home and you're going to say, you know what? This isn't ours. I mean, it is. You bought it. You purchased it. You have the receipt that says you bought it from Target or whatever. But you know what? It's the resources that God wants to use in your life. And what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? My prayer is that God speaks to you and you look at it somewhat differently tonight. Is that maybe you look at your home and say, you know what? My home needs to be a small group home. I need to open my home up. And God will use your home as a small group home. And if you will see me right after church, we'll make that happen. It may be January, February before we can begin, but you know what? We can make it happen. But I know this, that you're also here, and maybe you don't even know the Lord.
This is all new. You feel welcome in this place, but I'm going to tell you this. Jesus himself looks at you and says, hey, welcome home. I want to partner with you. I want to be the Lord of your life. And there's something that you have to do. If you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, it says in Scripture that you shall be saved. And if that is you tonight, I encourage you, maybe you need to take some time to open your heart, open your life and say, Lord, come into my life. Would you bow your head with me? If you're watching online, you can do the same. You can pray that prayer right where you're at, sitting in that room that you're in. I don't know exactly where you're at, but you know what God does. He knows exactly where you're at. And you may pray this prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. Dear Lord, say it out loud. Dear Lord, I come before you tonight, and I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for making me feel welcome. I pray that tonight that you would come into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to guide my steps, guard my heart, and help me live for you. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to come down and maybe get with one of these altar workers and say, you know what, I prayed that prayer for the very first time. And I meant it in my heart, I believed it, and I want something And I want to see something real happen in my life. And they're going to be here to pray with you, to partner with you. And God's going to do great things. Would you stand with me tonight? And as we stand, I want to also challenge you, if you are here and you have a need in your life, you're saying, you know what, I need prayer. I need prayer for healing. I need prayer. I'm just going through some difficult times. I need to agree together with someone right here. Listen, we want to connect our faith with your faith to a great big God and say, Lord, we need you. Amen? So as as Pastor Mark begins to share in song, I want you to step out. Whatever need that you have, you can come and you can pray. And we're going to believe together that God does great things. You come. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And I give myself away. So you
Hey, we serve a great God, amen? I pray that you take this message home and you begin to just kind of let it soak in. Say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my home? What do you want me to do with my resources? And God, speak to me. And if listen, if you're wanting to be a small group leader, if you're wanting to get involved and you say, you know what, I want to open my home, hey, talk to me right after service. We can get that in the works. We can get that going. And I know God will do great things. Listen, let me pray with you as you go tonight. Thanks for being here. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning. Lord, we are so grateful for your goodness tonight. Thank you for meeting us right here, for helping us, God, understand your scripture, the power of your word that gets into our lives and begins to help us, begins to form us and shape us. Thank you that we can all feel welcomed in your home. But God, help us take this message tonight out into the places that we live and help us to be challenged every step of the way. We thank you for your goodness tonight. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, go in his grace, go in his peace tonight. Myself away. Oh, Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Mm -hmm. Give myself away so you.